Throughout this season, the key challenge our experts and technology leaders have talked about is the inextricable link between improved air quality and higher energy costs. The fact that bringing fresh air comes with an energy penalty is true. It's the reality. I mean, we all know that. But while increased ventilation is one solution, it is not the only solution. So how can we ensure that the actions we take in improving our air quality are the right ones? If you measure effective, you can manage effective. If you manage effective, you can monitor closely. If you can do all of that, you can optimize all the time. That's Manish Sharma, Vice President and Chief Technology and Product Officer at Honeywell Building Technologies. Manish's role places him at the forefront of indoor environmental quality innovation. So I can't think of anyone better suited to tell us about the air quality solutions that are on the horizon. I'm Rasha Hassanin, and you're listening to Healthy Spaces with Trained Technologies, a series of conversations that explores the world of indoor environmental quality from the inside out. It's hard to believe that we've already reached the end of season two of our podcast. Over the course of six episodes, we've talked to scientists, engineers, and experts about what it means to return to healthier indoor spaces, from the indoor environmental quality challenges we've had to overcome to the lasting learnings gained from the COVID-19 pandemic. Improving indoor air quality has been one of the main topics throughout our conversations. Whether it's improving ventilation in schools, installing air quality monitors in your home, or using active air purification devices in transit buses, we've touched on multiple types of strategies and technologies. To wrap up this Healthy Spaces season, let's take a step back and talk about what these different strategies are based on. Is having carbon dioxide indoors always a bad thing? Is increasing ventilation always the best way to improve indoor air quality in a space? Let's find out. So Manish, can you start off by telling us about Honeywell Building Technologies and your role there? Thanks, Rasha. We are the company who does the complete control system right from designing, installation, commissioning for the whole building. We look at building as a system and where we have a systems of system is what we would like to manage, control, and optimize. It starts right from your HVAC equipment controls, complete HVAC system level control, end-to-end security, which include video management system. Plus, we have a pretty strong software and uh, hardware platform, which allows you to integrate with a third-party system, which allows you to get their information and data to really do the controls at the broader level, at the building level. We've talked about this before on the podcast. We all know how important system level optimization is to both indoor environmental quality and energy efficiency. And we, as you know, Manish, we have a very similar philosophy here at Train Technologies. But let's specifically talk about indoor environmental quality. How has the conversation around IEQ shifted over the past two years for you guys? What kind of challenges has Honeywell run into? I think the conversation has uh, significantly changed. The pandemic uh, created a lot of awareness among building occupant owners. In the past, the term we used to associate with indoor environment quality were kind of good to have narrative focus on occupant comfort. But now IUQ is associated with 
how a building can play a crucial role in return on investment of business by increasing the worker productivity, well-being, and comfort while managing the complete energy usage. The pandemic also taught us to be resilient and even more agile. The, the workplace is evolving fast, even as more guidelines around IEQ, IAQ are put in place. We have learned that uncertainties are imminent. As manufacturer, we have always worked to solve our customer's problem, but we have to do this in a different way. The pandemic challenged us all in unexpected ways. How do you create a kind of a testing environment when you can't even access the customer location? How do you create a alliance that complement your offering and allow a faster go-to-market approach? So I think there is a significant shift happened in the last two years due to pandemic. We're seeing very similar things. What are some of the challenges that you guys have run into as you've had some conversations around indoor environmental quality over the last couple of years in particular? One is to understand what is indoor air quality. How do you define the indoor air quality? There are a lot of myths around the indoor air quality. Is CO2 measurement is enough? Is it the right parameter to measure? So there are a lot of things which is running around that. The second one is as you start following the ASHRAE guideline, you got to open the fresh air intake and everything. How does this impact to the energy? And that has a lot of different conversation going around in the market. The third challenge, which we have heard from typically from the customers, they are completely confused because in the last two years, the number of changes took place in the different standards and they need to follow and update and update and update. It has gone through a multiple cycles and they don't know when to start, when to stop. I was having a conversation with one of the school superintendent and that's exactly they mentioned that we are completely confused how and which standard to follow and which not to follow because CDC guidelines are more dynamic, which never happened in the past. ASHRAE guidelines are more dynamic, which is coming more frequently. So there is a little bit of a confusion. There is a little bit of a challenge in the market space right now of all these problems what I described. Constantly evolving standards and scientific discoveries are a challenge for any building owner or occupant to keep up with. The basic question facility managers ask is, how do I know my air quality is bad and what should I do to fix it? A lot of the decisioning involved with addressing this question focuses on the concentration of one specific gas, carbon dioxide. But with occupancy levels still relatively low and concerns for air quality still high, this has led many to ask the question, is CO2 even the best indicator for indoor air quality? My experience and all, all the study information what we did, first thing I would like to say that CO2 is not a bad parameter to measure. I think it's an important parameter. However, we need to be cognizant that we are using a proxy for a proxy to solve a problem. CO2 is considered a proxy for occupancy density in the space, which is a proxy for other contaminant of concerns such as PM, VOCs and others. At Honeywell, we support the measuring these contaminant of concern directly through the multi-sensor parameter, which we have defined. 
Secondly, I would say CO2 is a lagging indicator of indoor air quality as it takes time to build up and then stays in the air. While we are allowing CO2 to build up in the area, other contaminant of concerns like uh, particulate matter, CO are also rising. Some might point out that PM is a known contaminant of concern but can be curtailed by an air filtration solution. A very important point to note here that the airborne contaminants are particulate matter to travel through a space. Even from ventilation standpoint, there are opportunities to improve current practices. Bringing fresh air in, you know, comes from energy penalty, but that helps. Current ventilation practices do not account for economical and uneconomical times for bringing the fresh air. So overall, the issue persists that ventilation rates are determined by the value of single IAQ metrics disregards the complexity of the factor that determined IAQ. We can measure CO2 as far as there is no other option. But in my opinion, multi-dimensional sensor, I strongly recommend that we should think about measuring much more to provide a holistic fix of the problem, not just one parameter. Even as a proxy for occupancy, right, that doesn't take into account other sources of contaminants that are not human. So you can have contaminants that make their way into the air, whether it's volatile organic compounds or PM 2.5 that are not generated by occupancy. So if you're only measuring for CO2 as a proxy for occupancy and occupancy as a proxy for air quality, you're not capturing these other contamination sources. It's a, it's a really good point. So let's talk about that. Outside of pure CO2 monitoring, air quality monitoring, which is much broader, is a solution that many of our previous guests have touched on. And as with any technology, the more we learn, the more we can improve, not just on performance, but on affordability as well. What needs to happen, in your opinion, for air quality monitors to become more of a commodity, less of a luxury, in order for us to ensure fresh air equity or air quality equity? And what innovations do you see happening in this space? There are a lot of interesting innovation happening in the industry. One, the mode of installation used to be the norm to follow with the sensor. Wall mounted, duct mounted, used to decide the fate of the air quality sensor. Now, there are aesthetically much better sensor in the market. There are more accurate, stable, uniform, and can also be connected to existing building management system or to the cloud wirelessly to receive and display the real-time data and trend on the dashboard. So we can now measure everything from CO2 to radon now desensor. I think this is also because of the advancement that we have seen with the well and different standards defined. Despite all of its significant challenge, the pandemic provided a launch point for many type of technology to grow. Earlier, it would take an expert to select and buy an IAQ monitor. Now, with this increased awareness, consumers are well read and are able to make that uh, selection without much of technical assistance. We need to also emphasize that what gets measured gets managed. Our responsibility as a technology, as a future, as an innovative organization is to ensure that we decode this for our customer. We need to convey the benefits that multi-dimensional sensors can deliver. In fact, this is a you know quite uh, complementary to the IAQ conversation that we were having earlier. 
I feel uh, low cost sensing is just the starting point for any future strategies uh, geared towards improvement in any control strategies to be placed. As I was saying, Honeywell is a control and after the control, you define the optimization. And for to do that, the data and the quality data, air quality data is the one of the most critical parameter we have to measure. And when you think about where this data lands as well, there are so many places the data that you collect off of these sensors can go. For example, you can display it with an, to an occupant and they can help them feel safer in the space. So it's one thing to be safe. It's another thing for the occupant to feel safer in the space. Uh, the other place that it can go, and we heard this in previous conversations that we've had with the Well Building Institute and Joanna Frank from Fitwell, is a lot of this data can then go to a lot of these standards bodies automatically to help them get recertified and drive down the cost of recertification in these building performance systems. So I think uh, you're absolutely right. High quality, low cost sensing at the right sensor density. So in the right places all along buildings is going to be the way we do this, both from a control perspective, but also from a visualization and communication perspective. So maybe let's shift gears a little bit. You know, we've been talking about indoor environmental quality and then indoor air quality. In the first episode of season two, one of our guests, Jeff Wiseman from the train commercial team shared with us that many building owners are seeing a 30 to 40% increase in energy consumption because of the increase in outdoor ventilation rates. Do you hear similar stories from your customers? (laughs) Yes, yes, and yes. So almost every customer, you know, this is the question which I get to hear every customer. A couple of days back, I was in Miami and this was probably we had an hour meeting in an hour 20 minutes, we talked about this point. So it is about every single time we talk about healthy buildings with our customer, we we hear this point. The fact that bringing fresh air comes with an energy penalty is true. It's the reality. I mean, we all know that. But while increased ventilation is one solution, it is not the only solution. So there are other indoor air quality improvement solution that focuses on filtration, cleaning, pressurization, etc. And when these solutions are used in conjunction with the optimized ventilation, they could not only improve IOQ, but also optimize energy uses. Also, I believe we need to shift our focus from cost of utilities to occupant comfort, well-being, productivity. I think those are kind of little bit uh, neglected or, or gone to the lower priority. There is more research and data now how IEQ reduce uh, and improve the worker productivity and potentially has great impact on an, any organization bottom line. So I think, you know, what I said, CO2 conversation, it's only a proxy of a problem, but not the problem. Demand control ventilation when linked to the more IEQ parameter could be extremely effective. Another effective way to add is uh, economizer or ERV to the design. Both these technologies add waste to the uh, store energy from heating, cooling, cycling to be used. I think this is not the new technology, but I think in the, the whole point is combination of all of this bringing together, you can definitely achieve the compete need, which is creating a 
really healthy environment in the building and also having not having higher energy bill pay. As the population becomes increasingly aware of air quality and the importance it plays in both health and productivity, more and more building owners and occupants are asking which solutions are fit for their needs. But more importantly, thanks to the costs associated with prolonged ventilation, many are asking what innovations are being developed to help address this need for balance between energy, sustainability, and indoor air quality. So Manish, what kind of developments are you seeing on the horizon in this space? Let me talk about the one uh, big innovative idea which we are working on. We call that as a more of a multi-model. I think uh, we need to understand what is the need of the hour, but there is an immediate need for the continued innovation in this field. What we need is a holistic air quality strategy that reduce energy expense, improve operator efficiency, reduce carbon footprint. So first of all, as we talked about, we need to have the measurement system in place. So measurement system at room level, at zone level, at air handling unit level. It can give you by having like CO2 or different sensors, what we talk about, it can give you the kind of a pathogen concentration. It can give you the pathogen production. It can give you the pathogen transmissibility. So that's the kind of a measurement system. Second one, you talk about that overall energy consumption. How do you do that with respect to enthalpy calculation, the capacity of your chiller, air handling unit, and uh, how that correlate to the pathogen reduction per kilowatt hour. And then finally, the energy cost and, uh, and the, the correlation of that to the carbon cost. Now, what we are doing to achieve that, we are coming out with the system of systems which works on the multiple domain and uses the data of occupancy in the building, uses the sensors and the consum energy consumption and carbon footprint and the people uh, movement, filtration technology, different blinds and the lighting. So all of this put together, we are bringing system a system software level algorithm, which can provide to a much higher energy saving. And also it is not increasing the load on the system. And that algorithm is kind of a multi-model output is a big innovation which you're working on. That sounds really exciting. So Manish, just to wrap it up, I think we're kind of coming to the end of our episode here. What's one piece of advice that you would offer our listeners when it comes to managing their indoor air quality? I think we spend our 90% uh, of our time inside the building. So indoor air can be up to five times more polluted indoors than outdoor air. We have heard that EPA is considered indoor air pollution among the top five environmental risks to the public health. As per WHO, 30% of new remodeled buildings globally subject to indoor air quality complaints. So cognitive function is the direct result of indoor air quality. Student performance in school, employees in the office, patient recovery in the hospital are just some of the high level you know, examples where we can improve if you monitor, control, optimize the indoor air quality. Pandemic or not, we need to ensure that we are responsible for our own health and for the ones that we have direct influence and my advice is kind of a, if you measure effective, you can manage effective. If you manage effective, you can monitor closely. If you can do all of that, you can optimize all the time. Awesome. 
So one final question. Have you changed any of your own habits given what you've learned around indoor air quality in the last couple of years? You know, uh, this is an interesting question. I always relate this uh, to the uh, 9-11, how that habits got changed before you were going to 9-11 to the airport, the amount of security check we had and later what kind of security check what you have. Now it become part of the your culture. It is a daily practice. So correlating that with this, I believe I have changed personally uh, sanitization a lot. Probably I do sanitize my hand and uh, wash my face kind of at least, you know, four, five, six times more what I used to do earlier. Wearing mask has become a habit, which is kind of getting formed now. I think uh, probably the technology what we are using right now for recording five years back, four years back, probably we would have said that, okay, let's meet face to face for this conversation. But now the whole technology shift, technology changes are happening. And uh, so good news is restrictive travel. You can achieve the similar thing what you used to achieve. But one thing I'll tell you with all of that, I think the human touch is a little bit kind of getting reduced, which is what causing a concern in the market space. And unless you have that uh, human touch, I think we we all believe that it's it's okay, it's fine, we can achieve many things, but not that 100% you can achieve. So, so that is something little cause concern with the, my new habits which are getting formed, but still I believe that uh, it's a shift which is happening and it's going to be a my view permanent shift this is not going to be a temporary shift and we will uh, not go back to the 2019 where we were i think there will be a definitely shift in everybody's habit and all the travel restrictions social distancing and uh, the sanitization practices i don't think manish is alone in adopting these new habits on a permanent basis The pandemic really brought to light how our behaviors and indoor environments can impact not just our health, but our way of life. It opened everyone's eyes to the reality that in the midst of a pandemic, not wearing a mask or washing your hands might not just result in a few days off from illness, but potentially event cancellations, store closures, and even large scale lockdowns. But with our new awareness of hygiene measures and industries dedicated to keeping the air we breathe in our homes, schools, and workplaces healthier, perhaps we're a few steps closer to putting the pandemic in our rearview mirror and being better prepared for the future. You've been listening to Healthy Spaces with Train Technologies. I'm Rasha Hassanin. For more information on our conversation with Manish Sharma, see the show notes in your podcast app. That's it for season two, but be sure to check out your feed and listen to all of the conversations we've had with experts, academics, and innovators from seasons one and two. And don't forget to follow us to hear future episodes. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.